Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. We're back talking some USC Trojan football with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. A little bit of news happened in USC world since uh, when I was uh, gone for the weekend. And so we want to talk about that a little bit, a few other things with the coach. What's up, coach? How you doing? I'm doing great, buddy, and I hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. A lot has happened at USC during the last week, and I guess we have an opportunity to, to discuss it. We certainly do. And uh, I wanted to thank our sponsor before we jump into everything, Southern California Tickets. Go to sctickets.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for any sporting event, any concert, any play, musical, things like that. Go to sctickets.com. Tell Curtis that Coach Harvey Hyde sent you, and they will take care of you. They've been taking care of, care of us for many, many years. All right, so the first thing we got to jump into, Coach, is uh, USC is going to find a new president now. And so we have some questions on this, but I wanted to kind of get your thoughts. Obviously, this is a podcast talking about USC football. President Max Nikias was around the football team a lot. You see him at practice, so it's certainly – Someone that was involved, he was involved in several of the committees, the playoff committee, things like that. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts now that he is stepping down, what kind of impact that could have on USC. And if, if you've had any experience of that yourself, where higher ups, when you were a coach, uh, stepped down and how that impacted what you had to do on a daily basis. Well, Ryan, unfortunately, I have had that uh, happen as far as being hired by a certain president and then have another president come in that maybe doesn't have the same philosophy or now you're working for a new boss. And I think that goes along with everybody in the university as far, especially if they come from off campus. And even if they come within the campus, uh, maybe along the way they haven't liked you or whatever, and it changes the whole philosophy of where you're going. But uh, it is unfortunate that these things happen, especially at a great school like USC with the tradition it has. And uh, I think that during the last eight years, there's been a lot of controversy at USC, not that it's his responsibility for all of them, but I think that when you're the number one guy, it starts with the trustees and they hire you and pay an enormous salary and you live in their home and everything else. And you're supposed to, I think, relate to the university and the faculty and the students, but at the same time, you have a responsibility to the students and the trustees and the overall picture of the university and what's happening now during his tenure there you've had a change in the athletic director or basically two changes in mike garrett and pat hayden uh, i don't know what a lot of people think of mike garrett but i like mike garrett they won more championships when he was athletic director than any other and his fundraising was unbelievable as far as the facilities that they got there and uh, he was a no-nonsense type of guy yes he didn't have to personality to rub shoulders with the alumni which is possibly something he should have to do but his record speaks for itself 
Pat Hayden came in, and I'm not quite sure how that all happened, but it was certainly done in a hurry. Pat did his number of years that he was there, and there was a lot of incidents during his tenure, and then he was hand-selected by the president. Then he was replaced, or stepped down, or whatever you want to say. And then, of course, Lynn Swan has now come in, and Lynn now has been directly appointed by the president as far as his guy and his choice. So now Lynn is sitting in a position, too, to say, is the new president going to uh, honor everything that we discussed with the old president? And uh, football coaches, Clay Helton, obviously, was approved by the president. And uh, what his philosophy, the new president, is going to be, whether it's male or female, it makes no difference. It's now going to affect the entire university because everyone has an opinion when these things happen as far as who should be the president, who shouldn't be the president. Was it a good hire? Was it not a good hire? And it just causes a lot of controversy within the university and especially the athletic department, which is so important as far as uniting the university, as far as all of the alumnus and students and everybody together, as far as winning uh, solves everything. So we'll see what's going to happen with this. I've had it happen to uh, me at UNLV uh, when a new president came in that didn't hire me or didn't hire Jerry Tarkanian, and it was turmoil because uh, he didn't think it was us or the coaches or that. He thought it was basically the university that brought winning, and he found out it wasn't. So, you know, we've seen that happen not only at USC or UNLV. You see it happen all over the country, at Indiana with with the night and, and everything else. These things do happen. They even happen at Michigan, Big Ten schools, Notre Dame. It doesn't make any difference. You're going to find these type of controversies. And, of course, they've got other problems on their hand that they have to solve, too, regarding the incidents that have happened uh, during the past couple of years. So we had some questions on this, Coach, uh, about you know replacing Max Nikias. Um we had a, I'll give you a quick one from Tarek. Now that Nikias is gone, is there a chance the athletic department will get the support it needs? Well, you know, I, I hope it's always getting the support it needs. But it's the backbone, and people say, oh, it's not. It's the academics. It is both. The academics uh, are very, very credible as far as what the university stands for. But the athletic department is just as strong. You'll see – that will at a school like USC, you always get a lot of applications, but you'll see that when a person has the opportunity to brag about uh, their university, as far as not only academically, but athletically about, we beat you last week and we're going to the Rose bowl or we're in the playoffs or we're in the final four, or we won the NCAA championship and beach volleyball doesn't make any difference. It's something that makes all the alumni happy. And the student body happy. They all gather. And how about Parents Day or homecoming when everybody gathers on campus and everybody cheers and goes over to the game and you have a big win? I think that's what you call uniting the campus, not only as a student body, but also in the area of contributions. So I, I think that uh, uh, it is a big effect on the morale of a university, the athletic department. A lot of people fight that. A lot of academics say, hey, college is all for academic. Yes, it is. But diversity, too, is as far as having people uh, associate themselves with different people, different cultures, different walks of life, different majors, uh, and also some people learning the game of football where wherever they may have come from, they've never seen the game before. So that's an education process, too. 
So I think that uh, all of that is, is a real experience uh, as far as going to college. And I think right now the university is in a position where they have to find someone that uh, maybe not isn't the most popular to everybody, but the person to lead, the person to lead and have a philosophy that we're going to be the best in everything. We want people to be like us. We want to go back to where USC is once a Trojan, always a Trojan. Not that it isn't, but it's sort of changed a little bit. Once a Trojan, not always really a Trojan, because you can't get in, and a lot of the Trojans are going to different universities. And that's not uniting your past where Grandpa went there and Grandma went there and your dad went there and all of this type of tradition that you have. And I think you have to maintain that. Uh, where if a kid has a 4.0, I think he should qualify, of course, for admission. But I think where he came from and who his parents are and what the parents have contributed to the university, not just financially, but support-wise, I think that should be a big part as far as on the application. All right. Uh, we had another, a couple more questions about uh, Max Nikias. This one's from Nick from Cyprus. He said, question of the coach and Ryan, what do you think about – Nakia stepping down uh, as president for USC. So we kind of talked about this already um, a little bit, but kind of specific thoughts, Coach, of what, when, how this all went down, what you thought of it. Um, I did a, a, a podcast with the Audible uh, before this happened. Then I went on, uh, I went away to Catalina for the weekend, and when I was gone, complete out of uh, sales service and everything. I get back on the boat and figure out, oh, the Max Nikias end up stepping down. It didn't seem to me like there was going to be much of a choice, even though the board of trustees came out with that letter, um, you know, backing him right away. Seems that always ends up being the kiss, <laughs> kiss of death. But what did you think about how that all went down? Well, I think it was done uh, very professionally and very smart. Uh, if he's going to step down or whatever, it's a good term to use, stepping down and getting a nice severance package and doing what's best for the university. Uh, sometimes you want to leave with that type of flavor uh, rather than hearing that other word that I hate to talk about, and that's fired. So uh, I, I think that um, that uh, him uh, stepping down is something that was timed perfectly Memorial Day weekend. A lot of people are gone. A lot of people, like yourself, you just said right now, hey, I didn't even know what happened where a lot of people don't know it even happened. A lot of people do, but a lot of people don't. And I think it was announced at a time where, where it's old news now, as far as people coming home and saying, what happened? We just happened to be talking about it. But, yeah, you'll talk about it for two or three days, and then it'll be, well, who's going to be the next president? So I think when they do things, these people that make these type of decisions, they're sharp, and they know, and the statement from the board, uh, of trustees on exactly what it was all about is so important. And uh, I think it was done timely-wise perfectly. Uh, if it's going to happen, and, uh, you know, with the Memorial Day weekend, there's another thing everybody's talking about. They're not talking about USC and the president. They're talking about Memorial Day and the veterans and and uh, what they deserve to be uh, t uh, saluted to. So uh, I think it was uh, something that, came and they handle it uh, in a way where it wasn't uh it was front page news but it wasn't around long we had uh eric and duck country also wrote in uh he said you picked a heck of a time to go off the grid that's about me yeah um yeah so if you know, like i i was on catalina island camping 
and it's like to Parsons Landing, which is uh, pretty far. You go to the remote side of the island, not Avalon. You go into uh, two harbors, and then it's about seven half mile hike. So no cell service. So I was completely off the grid for a couple of days, and of course that's when this went down. But usually, when something like that you do that, that's what happens, Coach. Um, but Eric wants to know what does a new president potentially mean for Lynn Swan and Coach Helton? Uh, thanks as always. So I think, I mean, you kind of talked about this a little bit where you had a president that had a different philosophy come in when you were at UNLV. Um, I mean, I know there's a bunch of names kind of floating around right now, but it seems like it's pretty, it just depends on who the president is, how much it's going to impact Lynn Swan and, and Clay Helton. Well, it impacts you, whether you believe it or not, people say, Oh, it won't make a difference. Uh, it does make a difference because that's that topic that goes around and the thought in both of their minds as far as who's it going to be and what is he or she's philosophy going to be. And uh, I think it's very important to uh, know that it does make a difference. Someone could come in uh, where uh, it's it's so important that if you don't get it done and do it his way or want it his way, that uh, he immediately or she immediately doesn't agree with what you're doing. So I think it's going to be a delicate period of time of readjusting. I think both of them, as you know, I, I really like Clay Helton and Lynn Swan. I feel has been in there during a difficult time, but moving forward. And uh, I think it's something that uh, not as disturbing to everybody in the athletic department, but as a concern. It's not only just in the athletic department, right? right? It's everywhere, the medical school. All these different uh, areas uh, have concerns and donors have concerns on if there'll be a different philosophy. And who knows? You know, a lot of don donors have made uh, commitments to the university over a 10-year period, let's say a million a year for 10 years. Well, they want to know if what they <laughs> contributed to is still going to happen and go to that fund and a lot of different other things. So I'm not saying it isn't, but whenever you have a change in any type of corporate head, and let's face it, it's a billion-dollar industry, USA. And he, the president, is someone that uh, is responsible for day-to-day -day operations. But in the big picture, he's responsibility to make this ship float, continue to uh, compete with all the other great universities in the country, and get contributions and donations and the things to uh, uh, that are a little bit different than what it used to be in the old days. So... Um, I think it makes a big difference on who's hired at USC. Yeah, it does. I mean, there's names out there like Condoleezza Rice, who's obviously, you know, really involved with, with football. I mean, there could be people that are, you know, more. That's, I don't think athletics are the way to go. I mean, it, it really could have a big impact on uh, kind of what's going on. And like, you know, you said when when you bring in a big boss and there, there's high-profile people that that boss didn't hire – you know, who knows? I think Clay Helton can kind of get along with everyone. Um, you know, Lynn Swan was more of a uh, kind of he's a not an experienced athletic director. He's more of like a celebrity face of the program athletic director. And I think that's something that Max Nakia's put a lot of emphasis on. You could get someone who was a president at another school that had a big time athletic program and look at the athletic department and go, why do we have an athletic, athletic director that doesn't have any experience doing this? So I think there's a lot that, you know, it just really depends on where this president's coming from, but it certainly could have a, a big impact on, you know, the football team and the entire athletic department. Certainly does. And uh, people that have been around education or have been in uh, sports have played for different 
pro franchises in different universities they've coached at and different owners' philosophies, and they absolutely know. Uh, sometimes uh, presidents are hands-on, and they make all of the decisions, and you go along with it, and if you uh, argue with him, he doesn't want people always to argue with him. He might listen to your opinion, but his vote counts the most, and uh, he can make uh, decisions. He uses it, uh, has lost control, or we're going a different direction. These are terms that are very popular to use when relieving somebody of their position. They're sort of, they don't say anything. But uh, you're exactly right. I think Lynn Swan would be a difficult person to replace. But again, people find ways of doing that, especially uh, today. Well, okay. So that's the uh, kind of the Max Nakia stuff. Um, you know, it was uh, very interesting. And, uh, you know, Dan Weber had a really nice piece he wrote up there. Dan, and if you didn't know, and we'll probably have Dan on at some point to kind of talk about this, but Dan had a pretty close relationship with Max Nakias. Uh, he would come by when Max would be at practice. He would always come over to Dan or after games. Dan, what'd you think? What'd you think? So Max was definitely involved and would watch, you know, our instant analysis videos and all that kind of stuff. He really wanted to know what was going on with the football team and would ask Dan a lot. And Dan actually audited one of his classes, which was, um, I think it was like, it was, it was something to do with the, the Greek tragedies, you know, Greek plays and things that, that Max Nikias was teaching at USC, kind of teaching the classics, even though he was a, an engineer by trade. Um, so Dan had a pretty close relationship with with him, and I thought his piece was interesting up on uscfootball.com. You guys can go. I'll check that out. And, you know, another thing, too, like you just mentioned, Dan Weber, um, President Nikias uh, depended on people surrounding him, like you said, asking Dan Weber. Now, he wasn't a president that knew exactly uh, did they look good or did they look bad or what do you think. Uh, he listened to people supporting him because he, he didn't really know the game of football so he listened to people around him boosters trustees and so on and got their opinion which is uh where you surround yourself with the people who really know because a lot of times you make decisions on their their input so uh it's very important and a lot of the things maybe that happened in the athletic uh decisions that were made during his uh years as president of the USC wasn't necessarily all of his input and how he felt, but how people felt around him who made these recommendations, like in the selection of Pat Hayden as athletic director or uh, the selection of, of Lynn Swan as AD or whatever big decisions he's made, not only in the athletic department, but in all departments. So, you know, a lot of times uh, the president gets everything laid on him. The head football coach gets everything laid on him. The athletic director gets everything laid on him. I mean, uh, like the what's your graduation rate as far as a football coach, where a football coach would love to have his graduation be 100%. Who do you know that's a football coach that wouldn't want his graduation rate to be 100%? No one. No one. So all a coach can do is try and do everything he can but you're not going to be at 100% all the time. You have 110, 120 players, and, of course, the golf team and some of these other teams have four O's, and they're at 1,000%, which is tremendous, tremendous. But they have five or six, seven players. Uh, when you have a mixture of 100 players, 105 players, it's pretty hard to get 1,000% or 100%. Yeah, uh, it's, <laughs> it's not easy. Um, and this is a very... 
it's a touchy subject. It's a you know, it's a topic where it's not black and white. Um, you know, the the president Maxikias raised a ton of money. There's a lot of good things he did, but obviously, uh, when you're overseeing the kind of scandals that were happening, the major scandals that went on for years and years, um, that's where the kind of rubber hits the road. So USC will be going a different direction, and uh, we'll kind of see how that all plays out. Um, we got a couple other questions, Coach, and we'll let you go. Uh, this one is a, it's a team question, a voicemail question. We'll play it, and let's get your thoughts. Hi, this is Curtis from Moreno Valley. This is for you, Ryan. Um, Dominic Davis, if they can't decide what to do with him, offensive or defensive, from what I hear, he's real fast and probably elusive in open field. Start training him to catch the punts and fair catch and, and all of that kind of stuff that he has to do and kickoff return. If he's that fast, if he's that dangerous, give him the whole open field, but they have to teach him how to catch that ball in the air and to know when to fair catch it and all that. Maybe by uh, midseason he'll be ready. It could work. What do you think? Well, I think a, a student athlete uh, wants to get on the field, and if it's returning punts and kickoffs or whatever – he or she is supposed to do i think it's very important for them they'll really work at it and uh he has more or less bounced around from different positions and it's very difficult to bounce around on the division one level uh, such as a school as usc and have really a role but you need to get turns and reputation reps and be a part of it uh, get the pride of it and uh, and be it i don't know if he has that feeling or not uh so I agree with you. The three most important things are in special teams, okay, is punting the football. Why are you going to put the football? Uh, you hope not a lot of times during the game, but you've got to make sure you have a good punter. You've got to make sure you can cover the punt, and you've got to make sure that they don't make big plays on you. The other one is punt return, because you hope your defense is playing so well that they punt the ball a lot. So if your punt return is not very good or doesn't understand the rules of where you feel the ball and when you run the ball and you don't catch the ball properly, then that's the majority of your kicking game, your punting game, and your punt return game. Now, your kickoff return, you hope, is something that you really, really work on hard on because you've scored. And uh, kickoff is important, too. But it, the priorities are punt and punt return. Field goals, of course, and all of that is – is something you work on, and you hope you have a great kicker, and you can do that. If you have a great kicker, it's probably the easiest thing to teach. Step down, brace yourself, send everything to the outside, don't let anything come up the middle. I mean, and then have your kicker kick the ball with a good snapper. Well, that's a little bit different than punt, punt, return. And if you have a great kicker again, well, the kickoff isn't a big thing. Keep it simple, stay in your lanes, and kick the ball out of the end zone, Okay. Now, that's what you're talking about. So uh, uh, I'm saying give the kid a role. Even if he's only a punt return person, he gets on the field and he feels a part of the team. This is, yeah, this is like kind of a topic where we've seen Dominic Davis move around. Um, to me, it just seems like his skills are better on the offensive side of the football. Um, we got to see some of that in the spring. Uh, if, if I recall correctly, and you, you're, I, I just like to see, like seeing what he's doing there. 
Um, even with Jack Jones out, I'm just not sure there's going to really be a place for him in the secondary. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be used all the time, but it just seems like he would probably help the team more on the offensive side to me, coach, and then doing some special team stuff. I do too. I think he'd be uh, perfect in the slot. They've got some rebuilding to do in the slot, and he's a, an experienced receiver, and he's got good size you know, as far as for the slot position. You don't have to be real big. You have to be real quick and have good hands, okay? And understand and read the defense and coverages that you're playing and catch a, a short pass and make it a big play. So I think he, he would be better there, too. I don't think he's going to be a defensive back at USC, and I think they ought to give him some reps at that because they're a little bit short at that receiver, that receiver spot right now. All right, we got one last uh, topic today. This is from Mark. He says, Coach Hyde, since you've staffed a college football team, how would you staff a team today with a total of 10 full-time coaches now permitted? I'm not thinking of names, but allocation of position groups. For example, would you have two offensive line coaches, like one for guards and one for tackles? Would you have two DB coaches, like, excuse me, uh, secondary and corners? Might be an interesting topic. What do you think, Coach? How would you kind of divide things up now? Well, you've got to make sure your players are getting coached, okay? And you can't coach with one offensive line coach, okay? But you've got your guards and centers as one group, and then you've got tackles that use uh, different techniques outside. So you want to have a, a tackle coach, and you want to have an interior coach. Then when you come together, they all watch their positions, and uh, uh, they become better football players. You can take the tackles and work against the defensive ends. You can take the interior people and work against the defensive tackles uh, of the defense. You can do different drills that really you don't have people standing around, and you get more reps. As far as the tight end coach, you should have a tight end coach. It doesn't necessarily have to be a full-time coach, but it's got to be somebody that played tight end or has experience at tight end under the head offensive line coach. They, he's got to be able to be in charge of blocking, and he's got to be able to block. You've got to have a tight end that can block. You can't just say he's a receiver. He's got to understand that he's a receiver, but first of all, he's a blocker, as receivers are. A lot of times receivers think that I'm a receiver. No, you're you're a 100% football player, which means you have to do both. As far as receivers are concerned, I think one receiver coach is enough as far as working with your slots and receivers. But you do so many different things with patterns and reading secondaries that you want to make sure everybody's hearing the same thing and communicating. Not that they don't in staff meetings and take it on the field, but you want to have one guy be in charge of this is this coverage, we do this, we do this read, we do that, and so on. And at the same time, too, you've got to have a quarterback coach that's on the same page as the receiver coach because they're talking same things as far as routes and what the quarterback should be looking at and what the receiver knows the quarterback's looking for. Then you have a running back coach. I think that's so important to have a good running back coach that teaches the techniques and teaches a, a player how to get that extra yard and, and break in the open and make the moves that are necessary and always fall forward. And then I think on the defensive side, you've got to have two linebacker coaches, an inside linebacker coach and an outside linebacker coach, but there's so many different uh, uh, techniques that are used. And when I mentioned on the offensive line, you've got the tackles working against the outside linebackers. You've got the three inside offensive linemen working against, against the inside linebackers and down guys. So you can get more reps and you get more things done. And also you got to have a corner coach and a safety coach to make sure that when you're practicing and when you're teaching that every player is being watched and observed. 
And it's very difficult for a coach to coach all four at the same time and make comments about what they did right or what they did wrong during team uh, uh, practice when you're going so quickly. You don't want to coach on the field. You want to move and get as many plays as you want. You coach a lot off of tape. But uh, you've got to be able to do that. And then I think you ought to have a special teams coach that does not coach uh, the uh, any portion of, of the uh, offense or defense, but specializes in making sure that the special teams is one-third of your football field, a team on the field, offense, defense, special teams. I really believe that. Now, I don't know how many that added up to, but that's the way I would staff <laughs> We got to keep track know. of all that. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's twelve. I don't know. I'd have to. I didn't. Uh, well, I didn't... maybe there's twelve. But use some graduate assistants. Then get some people that have played the position. Make sure that it's broken down like that because you get more coach, you get more done. Yeah. So, like for for what you had at UNLV, where would that one extra person have been then? Like for full time. Uh, uh, it would probably have been at the tight end because I had. That's the way we did it there. Okay. Uh, it would have been at the tight end because I had two offensive line coaches, running back, quarterback coach, receivers. So it would have been at the tight end. And uh, uh, I don't can't remember if we had eight or nine at that time. If we had eight, uh, then it would have been with the uh, receivers, uh, you know, as far as that way. Uh, but that's the way we did it. And uh, and uh, we didn't have the numbers. We didn't have seven people in personnel, director of player personnel. We had what we called a recruiting coordinator which is full-time, but every coach had an area. Every coach did his recruiting. Every coach visited campus. And I think we had a better relationship because of that than having personnel people tell us who could play and who couldn't play. And that way you didn't get out and visit your area and visit every school, even if they didn't have a player. My philosophy was you go to every school in your area because someday they'll have a player. And that coach and administration will remember who came and said, hi, how's things going, than the ones that drove by. So my philosophy was you go to every single school. They might have five players. They might have zero players. But you visit them, and I'll tell you, I used to ride around with these coaches at times, and I'd say, pull off there. And they'd say, oh, that's Ganesha High School or whatever. And they said, coach, they don't have a player. I said, I, did you hear what I said? pull off here and I'd go in and talk to the president I or the principal she would ask me to speak at their banquet I said absolutely and if I can't one of my coordinators or somebody will be here I did everything I could do to satisfy them that when we came on campus if we needed to see the counselor or see somebody we saw them. if we needed to get somebody out of class to talk to them we she did that because I never left the campus without talking to the principal yeah, that's uh, and and it would pay dividends down the road usually, right? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Because when that kid goes to somebody and says, "Hey, I'm down to these two schools. What would you do, Mrs. Jones?" She says, "All I know is these coaches came by here and cared about us when we didn't have anybody, and I believe in them because they're sincere. They're not users. They're people who care about us here as a high school and trying to take care of our kids." Now, I hope she would say that, but, you know, you have to uh, make an impression on them so that they may do that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the Coach Harvey Hyde. Uh, quick show.
today. We got a lot going on. Uh, coach is coming back. I just got back into town, so we, you know, wanted to get the the news out there about the, obviously Max Nikias and all of that. So, um, Coach, really appreciate you you coming on and uh, sharing your insights, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Buddy, it's always great to be with you and all of the listeners out there. Thank you for being a part of our show. And, again, uh, have a great week, and we'll be back with you next week. Sounds good. All right, that's Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow me on Twitter, at Inside Troy. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.